Speak, O Lord, till your church is built and the earth is filled with your glory. We desire, Father, that you accomplish your will, not only in our lives, but in this church. Not only in this church, but in this area. Not only in this area, but in this country and in this world of yours. You have created this world for your glory. May it be filled with your glory. Thank you for the realization that that is where you are heading. And we ask today that you would speak to each one of our hearts. Open our hearts to your grace, to the Spirit of God. We ask with thanksgiving in Jesus' name. Amen. It's great to be with you today. My wife and I, uh, as Al said, retired from serving the Lord in Bowie, Maryland, back in July. And since then have been trying to make access to West Virginia. West Virginia has rejected us three times. <clears throat> we uh, were going to go to settlement 1st of November, and that failed, was canceled. Then the 27th of November, canceled. 14th of December, canceled. So by the 15th of December, I thought, well, maybe we ought to go to Virginia or something or <laughs> some other location. But the 16th of January worked, and so... We settled on a piece of property outside of Shepherdstown in the Springs, if you know where the Springs are. Um, it's a great place, right down near where Joe and Connie are living, not only on row four here, but on, in the Springs. And it's great to be here. We count it a privilege to be connected with Fellowship Bible Church and with each one of you. So today, I would like for us to focus on 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. The title of this message is, Your Body Pictures What Christ is Doing in the Church. Your body, your physical body, pictures what Christ is doing in the church. Definition speaks activity. What's a tomato plant supposed to do? Well, it's supposed to grow. It's supposed to flower. It's supposed to produce tomatoes. It's supposed to produce seeds. That's what you expect from a tomato plant. What's an army supposed to do? What's a farmer supposed to do? What's Walmart supposed to do? What's Fellowship Bible Church supposed to do? You know, when you look at some churches, you get the idea that what they're supposed to do is they're supposed to scrimp and save and put all their money into building the most glorious building in town. You look at other churches and you come to the conclusion that they feel that their responsibility on earth is to create so many activities that their people are busier than anyone else in the world. Some churches you think 
Their goal is to buy buses. So the quality of the church is told by the number of buses lined up in the parking lot. You know? We have 47 buses. How many do you have? You know? None of these things are necessarily wrong. But there is the slight chance that some churches are doing it because everybody else is doing it. Or because that's the thing you do. Or that's the way it's running now. What does God want the church to be? What is the definition of the church? If definition suggests activity, what's our definition? What's our activity? We're in 1 Corinthians 12. And 1 Corinthians 12 ends in verse 27. Not the chapter, but this section ends with this resounding statement. This is 1 Corinthians 12, 27. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. Now you are the body of Christ. You, Corinth, are the body of Christ. You, fellowship, are the body of Christ. Notice that's a declaration. That's a statement. It doesn't say you ought to be the body of Christ. It doesn't say let's try to be like the body of Christ. It says you are the body of Christ. You are the body of Christ. If a tomato plant is supposed to grow and flower and produce tomatoes and seeds, what's a body supposed to do? What Paul is saying in this chapter is there's a direct comparison between your physical body and the body of Christ. What's the big issue with your body? Every one of us knows what it's like to have a body where members of the body are non-functional. Some of us have eyes that don't work too well. Some of us have ears that need AIDS. Some of us have livers that are shutting down or cancer that's eating on parts. What's our attitude toward those things? Well, we don't like it. We want it fixed. We want a body that works like a body. Jesus Christ does also. Well, what's the problem with Jesus? He can do anything. Why doesn't he just fix the body and make it work? There's only one problem. You are the body. I am the body. We are the body, and Jesus Christ wants us to be the body. He wants us to be what we are. So we're talking today about the body of Christ. And we are the body. Not just the elders, not just the pastor, not just the Sunday school teachers. You. Me. We are the body of Jesus Christ. Most of us are familiar with the love chapter in 1 Corinthians 13. This is chapter 12, which is the parts chapter. Really not the parts chapter. Because the word one occurs in this chapter 19 times. 
It's a chapter that focuses on getting the parts to be one. Making a body out of parts. Here's the theme, verse 13, verse 12. I'm reading verse 12. For even as the body is one and yet has many members, and all the members of the body, although they are many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. If you've come to Jesus Christ... If you have received his forgiveness of sins, if the Holy Spirit has come into your life, which happens when you trust him as Savior, you have been placed into the body of Christ. Whether you're young or old or cultured or uncultured or rich or poor or a child or a baby or an antique or employed or unemployed, when you came to Christ, you were dumped. You were baptized into the body of Christ. Had nothing to do with how you felt, had nothing to do with whether you had a tingle going up or down your spine, had nothing to do with whether you saw lightning or visions. When you came to Christ, you were baptized into one body, the body of Jesus Christ, and you are the body. So, that's the fact. Whether you like it, whether you don't want it, whether whatever, if you've trusted Christ as Savior, you are the body of Christ. And I find that there are people who respond to that in unusual ways. People say, I don't like mixing with other people. I don't like to share my toys. I want God to bless me all by myself. I don't like it when people, when other people win the games. I want to win all the games. I want to be in charge. I don't want to listen to somebody younger than me. I don't want to listen to somebody ball-headed. <laughs> you know, the statements that we hear from children are often very similar to statements that come out in the body of Christ. What's happening in this chapter is that God wants body members to be part of body life. And so this chapter is giving us three important concepts that control how we react and respond to body life, what we are. Three concepts that we really need to process. Three concepts that make a difference in how well we play the part God's designed us to play. So let me go through those concepts briefly because I want you to think about those this, this week. Concept number one, Christ's body is composed of thousands of different parts. Christ's body is composed of thousands of different parts. The word thousands is important. The word different is important. In this room, there are at least 250 of them. And the fact that we need to process is that every part is different. Every part is different. That's the lesson we learn from our physical bodies. How many of your physical body parts are identical? 
I don't hear any calling out. You know, they're all different. Think of the difference between your toe and your eye. Or your finger and your tooth. Completely different. It's the way it is in the body of Christ. So, verse 4 says, everyone has a different gift. Verse 4, now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. The Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit, gives a variety of gifts. Every believer in Jesus Christ at the moment of salvation receives a gift. You have an ability, a talent, unlike anyone else's, perhaps, in this family. Think of how different the different parts are in the body of Christ. People have different abilities, different talents. Number two, everyone has a different service. Verse five, there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. The Lord of all has given people different Kinds of service. That's the word ministry. Ministration. If you're a member of the body of Christ, you have a ministry. The Lord has given you a ministry. Ministry is something you enjoy doing, you like to do, you want to do it, whether you're paid or not. It's something you love doing. Someone's gift may be administration, and their service may be number crunching. They just love to crunch numbers. They play with numbers. They dream of numbers. Other people hate numbers. Some people's, someone's gift may be helps, and their service may be children. They love to be around children, serving them, meeting their needs, encouraging them. They can talk children's language. Someone's gift may be teaching And their service may be teenagers. They can talk to teens because they understand them, even though they may be 60 years older. The age makes no difference. It's the love and concern and listening ear that bridges the gap. So everyone has a different service. And then verse 6 says, everyone has a different energy. Energy, verse 6, and there are varieties of activities, but the same Lord who empowers them all in everyone. The same God who empowers them all. The word activity is the word energy. It's the word motivation. The active force. Someone may have an active force, a desire to serve God in a certain way, at a certain level. Some people love to confront. Other people love to encourage. Some people love to teach. Some people love to get up at 4 a.m. and teach. Some people stay up late. Energy comes at different times and in different ways. Some work best alone. Some don't even get started until others are there to push them. So you have these three huge differences that all work together. There are different kinds of gifts And in those different kinds of gifts, there's different kinds of services. And in those services, there are different kinds of energies. And they all come from one God, one Lord, one Spirit, who is building one body. 
Verse 7 says that every gift has the same goal. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. The common good. The good of the body. So God has given you a gift and a, and a ministry and an energy, not for your own good, but for everybody else's good. So my eye sees, but it doesn't see so it's the best seer and can be compared with every other seer. My eye sees so that it can direct my feet to put the brake on so I don't hit the car in front of me. So my eye is serving the common good. So have you ever processed that? There's concept number one. You have a gift. You have a ministry. You have an energy. And it's different. Has it ever bothered you that you're different? That you don't have what Pastor Van has? And you don't have what Pastor Mark has? And you don't have what Janet has? Or what Jeff has, and you don't have, you know, has that ever bothered you? Nobody wants to admit it. (laughs) Or perhaps you've said, you know, they're not like me. They don't have what I have. You know, you can go two ways on this. Have you ever thanked God for what you have? You know, it's possible to go through life complaining and say, my ears are too long, my nose is too big, my hair's the wrong color, I don't like my face, I don't like my hands, you know, I'm too gangly, too bald, too this, too that, too... Have you ever thanked God? Have you ever said to God, you are the creative genius, you do things right, and I just appreciate what you've done for me? I think serving God begins by understanding what he has done, appreciating what he has done, and building on that. What do you want me to do with the gifts that you've given to me? with the ministry that you've given to me, with the energy that you've given to me? How do you want me to contribute as a part of the body of Christ? See, the fact that God has given you a gift doesn't mean that everything's automatic from there on. Any gift that God has given you needs to be developed. Skill needs to be practiced. So it's a matter of saying, here's what God wants me to do. Let's learn how to do it. Let's practice. Let's get some feedback. Let's develop this. Everybody see that? The body of Christ is composed of thousands of different parts. Number two, every part of the body is essential. Every part of the body is essential. This is verses 14 to 20. Every person in this room has an essential part. 
in the body of Christ. There are no non-essential parts. Where do you learn that? You learn that from your physical body. Would you rather lose your hand or your foot? All right, how about an eye or a toe? No takers? What's your reaction? Your reaction is, I'd rather lose none of them. Have you ever had that attitude toward people here? I would rather lose none of them. Every single one is essential. God has brought every person here for a reason. It's kind of interesting that, you know, in every church, in every body, every, every display of the body of Christ around the world, there are always, as Mark said, Pastor Mark said, weird people, you know? <laughs> he didn't actually say weird people. He said, we are weird. You notice that? My first reaction was, what do you mean, Kemosabe? We are weird. But that's so true, you know? We are different. But the point is that every single one of us is essential. And what happens in verses 14 to 20 is there's some people that look up to others and say, you know, I don't have what they have. I really must not be a part of the body. Paul is directing his thoughts here to those who, are, who feel inferior. They don't feel like they have enough. Notice what he says to them. This is verses 15 and 16 to begin with. He says, there are some people who don't understand who they are. They don't understand who they are. Verse 15, if the foot should say, because I'm not the hand, I do not belong to the body. That would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not the eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. Here's the foot that looks up and says, whoa, that hand can grip. What a grip, you know. I've never gripped anything in my life. And that hand is up there so high. I'm down here in the dirt. You know, creating smells for the body, walking around, oh, to be a hand. Wow. You know, I don't have what that hand has. I must not really fit. Or perhaps it's the, it's the uh, ear looking over to the eye. You ever felt that way? You know? You don't feel like you have what Pastor Van has. You don't feel like you have what somebody else has. You just really... Don't have anything to offer. Well, notice what Paul called these people. Who was this? It was the foot. Is your foot important? Just drop a hammer on it someday and answer whether it's important or not. You know? It's the ear. By the very title he gives them, he's saying... This is a crucial part of the body. Verse 17. Verse 17, he says, the absence of these parts will handicap the body. 
If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? Let's theorize that these parts suddenly get their wish. The foot becomes a hand. And so you have three hands and one foot. Amen? Amen. The body has been improved. Yeah? So the ear becomes an eye. Now you have three eyes, one ear. (laughs) Do you see how stupid this is? God has made you the way he has made you because it is so essential in this body. And we sit around and dream and say, oh, man, if I had the gifts, if I could sing like Sharon, if I could dance like, if I could, you know, it's a waste of time. Number three, in verse 18, you need to realize that God gave each gift. God gave each gift. Verse 18 says, but as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. Do you know why you have what you have? Because the one who gave it to you is the most brilliant person in the universe who knows what he's doing and is doing something awesome on earth and wants you to have a part of it. And that's why you have your gift. And you don't like it? Do you see what that is? There's really a form of unbelief there, and there's a form of pride. I know more than God. I can tell God how he should have done this with me. No, we ought to thank God for what he's done. And then finally, in verse 19, he gets to the the climax and says, If everybody changed places... The body would be a freak. If everybody changed places, the body would be a freak. Verse 19, if all were a single member, where would the body be? Guess what? If everybody gets their wish, the body disappears. Everybody wants to be Billy Graham. And so you have Billy Graham in front of the church preaching to Billy Graham sitting there. Clapping to hear Billy Graham address Billy Graham's. What is it like? It's like one giant eye sitting on the floor, blinking, (laughs) turning, and blinking. What's its value? Nothing. Worthless. Ridiculous. It is of no value whatsoever. The genius of the body is that everybody has a different part. Everybody has a different ministry. And everyone is essential. One of the problems in the body today is that Jesus Christ hasn't given each one of us a specific 3 by 5 card that says, your position in the body is level 22, slot 47, row 12, job 402A. And so we say, nobody's told me what to do, you know? God hasn't told, it's not in the Bible what I'm supposed to do. It's not there. So I don't know what, you know, what do you mean? 
God has chosen not to do it that way. God has chosen to do it a better way. Do you know what he's chosen to do? He's chosen to put you with 200, 300 other people who can all help you find level 22, slot 47, row 12, job 402A. (laughs) That's why we're in a body, you know. It's in the body, as we learn to respect each other and communicate with, with each other, we learn to fit. We learn to share. We learn to minister. We learn our gift and how our gift fits with others. And my guess is that if FBC is like other churches that my wife and I have been privileged to join, there are probably some of you who are not an active part of this church. You're here to watch. You're along for the ride. What happens to your physical body when your parts are simply there for the ride. You know? When your parts are just there for the ride and are non-functioning, you may not like it, but there's something more important even than that, and that is that those parts are hurting themselves. Parts that do not function lose muscle tone. They weaken, they shrivel, and soon they can't function. It's called atrophy. The reason you are so essential to this body is as much for your own good as it is for this body's good. It is essential that you be a part, that you function as a part. So you say, what do I do? Pastors love to hear that question, even though they may not have the answer. But the answer to that question is, God will show you what to do if you really want to know. If you really want to join. If you really are seeking God's will. I had a lady that said this to me back in the year 2000. What can I do? She was in a wheelchair and she could not move anything below her neck. Here down. I would go to feed her lunch on Wednesdays, and she'd be sitting like this. She'd say, can you straighten me? I said, how long have you been sitting this way? She said, since 10 o'clock. There's nothing she can do other than move her head a little bit. I said, what can I do? In my strangeness, I said to her, you know, you would be a good one to start us a website. You know, it was year 2000. I said, why don't you start a website? Belcroft Bible Church. She said, I don't know how to do that. I said, you can read a book. She actually did that. She started a website, read a book. Her, her husband knew something about it and helped her and so on. And she created this website, did everything by voice, runs a computer by voice, answers telephone by saying, you know, answer, turns the TV on and off by, by voice and so on. Six years later, I had a man, I was with a man who was a website designer who said, you know, your church has one of the best websites. I said, yeah. It's the way God used that woman specifically in an amazing way. She became the point person for our prayer chain, you know. 
just an enormous ministry, a crucial ministry in a church by a woman that can't move. It's the way God works. Every part is essential. So the body of Christ has thousands of different parts. Secondly, every part is essential. Thirdly, every part is limited. Every part is limited. This is verses 21 to 27. Notice the context that starts in 21. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Sometimes we get the notion that we don't need other parts, that we'll just do it by ourselves. Thank you. You know, these others are a little slower. These others aren't quite as talented. These others don't understand how it ought to be done. And we'll just go do it ourselves. It's a danger to that. Your contribution to the church of Jesus Christ depends on others. Think of the example of your body. What does your brain need? It needs much help. Even though it is so incredibly talented. So, Paul is dealing here with people who have a superiority complex. These are the people that think they're God's primary gift to the church. They think that the church revolves around them. They think that they are the ones who should be leading the tribe. They're so superior they can do it without these lesser parts. You ever thought that? You ever said, why do we need so-and-so at this church? Or what is so-and-so doing? You know, some people look like they may just be a drag on the whole thing. You ever graded someone down because of their weakness? Or maybe because of their weight or lack thereof? Or maybe because of their personality. Or poverty. Or race. Or type of work. Or how they look. Or IQ. Or people they associate with. We have colorful ways of expressing these attitudes that say, you know, so-and-so is one down. So-and-so is not... The sharpest pencil in the box, you know? And yet when you look at your own body, none of the parts can do it. Every single part has to be connected. Do you know how you swallow? When you swallow a drop of water, what's it take to get it down to your stomach? Do you know it takes 50 pairs of muscles plus blood vessels, plus nerves, plus other kinds of things to get it down to your stomach. Fifty, fifty working together. I didn't count them. Fifty. That's amazing. So what does Paul say about this? Verse 22 and 23 say, 
Their conclusion is based on exterior evaluations. It's exterior evaluations. They don't really know what's going on. Verse 22, on the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty. Notice the word seem, seem. The parts of the body that seem to be weaker. It's not that they are. They seem to be. The ones we think less honorable. See, the, the, the decision is made on the basis of what they see, what it looks like. The truth is the opposite of appearances. The truth is the opposite. Notice verse 21 says, On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. See, on the contrary says that the outward visible conclusion that we make is wrong. You can't base your judgment on the worth of another person by what they look like. Verse 22 says they're indispensable. Verse 23 says greater honor. How many times have you ignored people because they're hard to talk to? Or they're too young and immature? Or they're too old and set in their ways? Or they're too conservative? Or they're too liberal? The problem in many churches is that some of the most segregated moments in church life occur at 10.30, 11 on Sunday mornings. And that is a blasphemy to God. He has made us one. We are the body of Christ. And he would like to see his body function with a similar desire that you have toward your body. And so often churches can go through life cutting off an arm here, you know, and chopping a leg there. We are one. So the end of verse 24 gives us the climax of this thought. It says, God gives more significant gifts to lesser looking members. Do you see that at the end of verse 24? Verse 24, it says, but God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it. Greater honor to the part that lacked it. I read that and I say, that is classic God. <laughs> that is the way God does it. How does God package his better gifts? In lousy looking packages. In poor-looking packages. How does God package his greatest gift? How did God package the arrival of Messiah himself? The one prophesied in the Old Testament, but the one hoped for for thousands of years. He was insignificant. 
Listen to this description of Messiah, this majestic description in Isaiah 43, Isaiah 53. It says, he grew up before him like a young plant. Young plant, meaning very fragile. And like a root out of dry ground. Dry ground means you wouldn't expect anything out of this ground. This is Messiah coming out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. Never won any popularity contest. Nobody ever said he was going to be that successful. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised. And we esteemed him not. Why would anyone hide his face and despise Messiah? Because he didn't look like Messiah. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. We thought he was paying for his own sin. We thought he was getting really hit by God because he was so bad. He was taking ours. Do you see the total misunderstanding of what God is doing? Do you see how God is taking the world's greatest, most needed package and he's packaging him insignificantly. And he goes right under the radar of almost every single solitary person on earth. John 1.10 says, he was in the world, the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. Unbelievable. And that's the danger. The danger is that we make decisions on the basis of what we can see. We make decisions with other people on, in the basis of what we think. Without saying, what is God doing here? God is giving more abundant honor to parts that lack. I need to get involved with parts that lack. I need to connect with these people that I don't really think have much. Verses 25 and 26 say, God desires his body to be a unit, to be complete. He wants us to fit together like your physical body fits together. So verse 25 says that there be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. The word division means no cracks, no splits, nothing that separates us. Instead, care. Care. So that if one member suffers, the rest of the body knows as fast as your body works when you drop a hammer on your toe. How long does it take for the message to get to the rest of your body? And yet in the body of Christ, sometimes somebody gets hurt. How long does it take? 
Well, you say, we need to learn, people need to learn to tell us quicker what's going on. Yes, but we need to learn to trust each other, you know? We need to learn to share our lives. And not only the things that hurt, but you'll notice it says, if one member is honored, all rejoice together. You know what happens in a church? One member's honored, the rest are jealous. If one member's honored, we all are blessed because of it. And we need to praise God together for what he's doing. So you see the project. Here's the project. To develop at fellowship a communication system that links us all together by respect, love, trust, communication. How is that to be done? Answer? I don't know. But that's what the Holy Spirit's doing. That's where he's going. That's what it means for you to be the body of Christ. And it means at least three parts. Number one, he wants you to think through the fact that you are different from everyone else and have a unique and very specific ministry here. You're different, unique, for God's perfect reason. Number two, wants you to think about how essential you are to his work. Number three, he wants you to realize how limited we are and how much we need each other. I think that God wants some of you to reach out and touch others. Someone else. Like Mark said when we started today, got to get to know their name. Invite them to lunch. Connect. Don't just stay in your group. Connect. I think God wants some of us to get together in smaller groups. Sunday school. Men's fellowship. Wednesday night. God wants us to connect together in smaller groups so we can share our lives together and live together. So what has God chosen for you? What gift has he given you? How can you contribute that gift to this body? Because you are the body of Christ. What does God want you to do? How does he want you to share your gift? I'm wondering today whether you really have committed yourself to be the body of Christ. Have you said to God, I want to thank you for all you've given me. I want to thank you for the tremendous privilege of being part of this body. And I want to do everything you want me to do. I think that's where it starts. If you're here to watch, if you're still at that stage of saying, you know, I'm not sure I trust you, Lord. That's one thing. That limits everything. But I think God is at work directing people who say, I want to do it. I want to be the part you want me to be. 
I close, as someone else has already said, I close with this statement. Live and savor every moment in the body. This is not a dress rehearsal. Let's pray. Father, what a privilege to realize that you are building your church on earth. What an unbelievable thought to realize you've chosen us to be part of that amazing creation. Our desire, Lord, is that you use us. I pray for each person here, Lord, whatever their spiritual condition, wherever they are, would you, by the Spirit of God, speak to their heart, speak to their mind. Open their heart and their realization to the fact that you desire them to be a part of this marvelous temple you're building on earth. And I pray that you would accomplish your will in each of our lives today. Thank you for your goodness and grace. In Jesus' name, amen.